So, uh, so the Apostle Paul had uh, been led by the Spirit of God, as he always uh, said, uh, to the city of Corinth, a uh, uh, town, city in Greece. And there he had, uh, had founded, started, planted a church, preaching the gospel, he says, as he always did. And uh, by the preaching of the gospel and the power of the Holy Spirit, there were a people who God called out. And God called to be his church, his people there in Corinth. Paul made some other stops, went some other places. A couple of years later, Paul is in Ephesus. And when he gets to Ephesus, there are people there that tell him that things are not going well in Corinth. There's problems. Not only are there people there that are telling him that there's problems in Corinth, there's now a letter there waiting for him from the people, the church in Corinth, telling him that they have questions, issues, problems, asking him, what, what should we do? What are, the, what are the answers to our questions? This that we have as 1 Corinthians is Paul's response to that letter, Paul's response to the report of difficulties what's going on in the life of the church in Corinth. And he begins in chapter 1, as we have it. In verse 4 he says, I give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace of God that was given you in Christ Jesus. That in every way you were enriched in him in all speech and all knowledge, even as the testimony about Christ was confirmed among you, so that you are not lacking in any gift as you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ, who will sustain you to the end, guiltless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful, by whom you were called into fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. So as Paul begins to address the church in Corinth, he does so with words of thanksgiving, first of all, giving thanks for them, the church in Christ, but also with words of support and encouragement, letting them know that it is by the grace of God in Jesus Christ, by God's grace, by the immeasurable, powerful, wonderful issue of God's unmerited favor upon them that they have been called into this fellowship. God has blessed them. God has given them gifts, enriched them, right? Enriched, built up, granted to them in speech and knowledge that which confirms Christ in them. This is what we call today assurance. Paul is giving them assurance of their relationship to the Lord Jesus Christ by the, by the fact that God has blessed them, enriched them in these ways and granted to them the gifts, gifts that will allow them, will cause them, will lead them to persevere 
right? This is, this is our doctrinal statement on perseverance. Perseverance not because of who we are or what we have done, but rather we persevere, right? We, we are faithful to the end because of Christ, what Christ has done by the grace of God in us. And so Paul is encouraging the, the people at the church in Corinth to understand that God's gifts in them are that which are an encouragement that they will persevere in Christ. Because God is faithful. I don't know that there are any greater words of encouragement. Whatever's going on, whatever the issue, whatever the concern, whatever the worry, God is faithful. Rest assured, there are times, circumstances, when we all might want to doubt our own faithfulness. Haven't you enjoyed reading uh, Pilgrim's Progress again? For those of us that have been part of that study on Wednesday night, what a, what a, what a great uh, encouragement. What, what a, a wonderful understanding of our life, right? That pilgrimage, that, that journey that is our life in Christ. And from, to, from, from, from uh, one time to the next, over and over, in, in that book, The Pilgrim's Progress, we see it, we see it avowed time and again. God is faithful. Christian and those that walk with him depart from the path. They, they go off on, on all kinds of uh, difficulties, problems. But in every situation, every circumstance, God is faithful. And so it is, is God is inspiring the Apostle Paul to, to write to this troubled congregation in Corinth. The big word of encouragement to them, the big word of encouragement to us, the Sovereign Grace Church, God is faithful. Amen. And yet, Corinth is a church afflicted. Corinth, Corinth is a real world church. Corinth is a, a church that, that, that lives in, in realityville. There's no, there's no make-believe here. No put-up idea, fantasy of, of everything's a bed of roses all is, is peachy keen. No problems here. No. Corinth is a real church. No pretend religion going on in Corinth. But rather, life. I dare say, pilgrim's progress in Corinth. Paul begins by telling them, he said, uh, he said, I understand that there are divisions among you. 
Now, this is, what's the term? This is uh, downplaying it. This is saying the, the minimum, right? <laughs> I understand there are divisions. Yeah, believe there are. Yeah, we got we got some uh, we got some problems. The um, the the writer of the notes in the ESV Study Bible he uses the word arrogance repeatedly. He says the big problem in Corinth was arrogance. I I called it pride myself, but but you had a lot of people there in the church in Corinth that were, were very much insistent upon doing their own thing. That, that they, they had a, a big capital I. Me was the, the biggest word in their vocabulary. And they demonstrated in, in, in so many different ways. He talks about the one-upsmanship. I know... None of y'all have ever uh, lived in a chief's mess aboard ship, <laughs> but I have. And, and we had a, uh, uh, a style, lifestyle, or problem. It's called My Dog is Bigger Than Your Dog. Is that it? Sound like what it is? Yeah. You could say, uh, you know, I saw a dog one time had a tail this long. Next fella would say, I saw a dog one time tail this long. Uh, we had a response to that was, first liar ain't got a chance. That was what was going on in Corinth. Everybody had to one-up everybody else. You, I'm, I'm, I'm better than you. And, and of course, you had to, there had to be the comparison going on. You had to be comparing yourself against everybody else. And then you had to come up with some way, something, that you could say, well, I'm better than you are because I can fill in the blank. Remember, Corinth is a church in Realityville. This is a real world church. They were departing from the apostolic teaching. They were departing from the gospel that Paul had proclaimed to them, the teachings, the doctrines, the faith that had been given to them. They were now going off on all kinds of tangents and bringing in all kinds of, of uh, foolish questions and issues. They were condoning immorality. You know this part of 1 Corinthians. And by condoning the immorality that was going on in the church, they were disgracing the church, holding the church up to shame before the community. People were talking. Hmm? Yeah. And it appears nobody in the church was able to, to deal with this, to correct this, to, to point out the problem, the issue. 
They were practicing what we call today pluralism, the, the mixture of, of religions that every religion's got something to, to say for it and uh, you got your way and I got my way and we're both okay, right? Your truth and my truth, both of them. This was going on in Corinth 2,000 years ago. It's not new. It wasn't uh, dreamed up by 20th century philosophers and college professors. It was only perpetuated by them. And there was a, there was a real, uh, real temptation for this. Don't want to be indelicate here. But there were certain practices going on in some of the temples there in Corinth that a fellow might leave the house of an evening, go down to the temple. I mean, it was religion. Part of the one-upsmanship was social status. Where you, where you, where you fell in the the ladder of society in Corinth. The well-to-do, of course, how much money you had was very significant on on where you might perceive yourself in society in Corinth. How much money you had was one of, the, uh, one of the concerns that would allow you to, to look down your nose at, at other, but people still talk about looking down your nose. Is that just an old, old thing? Yeah, still good, all right. But there was also the, I mean, who's your daddy? Hmm? Yeah. What's your, what's your family name? What's your lineage? I mean, you... You don't even have to have a lot of money for this one to work. If, uh, if you're the right family, you have the right name. That's, uh, that's another reason to be better than anybody else, isn't it? Yeah, these... Uh, and then, then again, there were, there were things, things that you could do. I mean, maybe... Uh, Maybe you could sing louder than anybody else. Or maybe you could sing better than anybody else. I know that's not your problem. It's a, it's a <laughs> or um, maybe you were the best preacher. Maybe you could look down your nose at, uh, at other preachers. All these things would work together. Yeah, um... And, and there was the thing about gifts, right? In, 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 in Corinth, one of the ways that you proved that you were better than anybody else was by your practice of what were known as spiritual gifts. So if you could, if you could go to church and... Um, 
kind of take over the service. Uh, sometimes it was done by, by what's known as speaking in tongues. Sometimes it was done by other uh, miraculous things. But yeah, this was, uh, this was one of the ways that the people in the church in Corinth could demonstrate that they were, well, in fact, a better Christian, right? I'm a better Christian. You, you, may be, you may have the family name. You may be more wealthy. But I'm the better Christian. And I'm the better Christian because I can demonstrate fill in the blank, speaking in tongues, miracle healings, ecstatic dance. Church in Corinth was real world, real people. And it appears that they just really didn't love each other. It seems they had, had completely ignored, forgotten, overlooked the command to, to love one another just didn't seem to come to mind. Me, the most important person in the room, and today, the most important day. They lost sight of eternity. Corinth was a troubled church. The people in the church in Corinth were a troubled people. Difficulties, problems, issues, questions. It had to be a hard place to go to church. And it might have been, in some instances, the, the easiest thing to do might have been just not to go. What do you say to a people like this? What do you say to, these, to this church that has so many problems that you, you wonder, do they, is there any hope for them at all? Actually, Paul does at one point Ask them, do I need to come over there with a stick? But no. Paul, Paul addresses the problems. Again, as the Spirit of God is leading him, inspiring him, he addresses, he deals with every one of these problems in his letter that we have as 1 Corinthians. But he doesn't condemn them. There's, there's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. But rather, as the apostle addresses these problems, these concerns, this, these issues, he does so with words of, of encouragement, of direction, of leadership, of hope, with words of love.
Be watchful. Be watchful. Pay attention. Don't let temptation sneak up on you. Be watchful. Be alert. Be awake. The enemy is liable to attack at any time. Be watchful. Don't let Satan have a, have a way with you, have a moment with you. Don't let temptation. Recognize it when it comes. Be watchful that you will not fall to temptation. Isn't this a wonderful word of encouragement? I mean, you're in, you're in a tough situation. You're in a difficult problem. You're in, a, you're in a, a church that has all these issues. Be watchful for the temptation. But it's not, it's not only a, a negative be watchful, but there's a positive be watchful, right? Be watchful for opportunities. Be watchful for those occasions. Be watchful for those gifts of the grace of God in your life that you might have occasion to, to share the gospel. Be watchful and alert for opportunities that Jesus Christ would be glorified in your life. Be watchful, be alert for those opportunities that you would stay on the straight and narrow path. Be watchful, for the church needs watchmen. Be watchful, for in the church... Attacks will come. Be watchful, for in the church there will be attacks both from within and from without. Be alert. Watchful. I think this term means all those things. But I think it also means be watchful for the day of the Lord. This is throughout Scripture, throughout the New Testament. This is the call of God's Word upon His people. Always be ready, right? Jesus was very insistent about this. Be ready for, for Jesus will appear. When, 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 the, when the thief comes to rob the house... He doesn't let the homeowner know ahead of time that he's going to be coming, right? But in the night. And so it is that Christ will appear. The day of the Lord will come when we least expect it. So be watchful. Be alert. Look for the Lord. I want to tell you, this is a, this is a life-changing attitude. This, this will change how you live. This will change your progress, pilgrim. When you have a mindset, when you have a heart that says, Come, Lord Jesus. Amen. It'll have an impact on who you are and how you live. Be watchful. For the Lord is coming. Be watchful for the day of the Lord. Stand firm in the faith. Stand firm in the faith. 
Stand firm in the faith once delivered to the saints. Paul is telling the church in Corinth that that they need to stand for that which he had taught them, that which he had preached to them, that upon which the church had been established. Stand firm in Jesus Christ as he has made himself known through, through his apostles. Stand firm, immovable, unassailable. Now how how were they to do this? How were they to stand firm in the faith if if they didn't know what the true faith was? Well, the answer is they can't. And so it is to them and to all of the church throughout the ages. The call to stand firm in the faith is a call to be in the faith, to know the faith. To, to, as I've so often said, it's so unfortunate that in so many uh, congregations, so many uh, pulpits, the, the word doctrine is a four-letter word. No, it's not. Doctrine is the truth of God's Word as it's set forth in God's Word, as God has made Himself known through His Son, Jesus Christ, His written Word and the Holy Spirit of God. Stand firm in the faith. There is a truth. There is a reality in which God would have His people to stand. This idea of of many religions. How convenient is that, huh? I'm okay, you're okay. Well, if you're on the path to hell, you're not okay. And it is the truth. It is the truth that leads to salvation. It is the truth, Jesus Christ the only name given among men whereby we must be saved. We must stand. Stand for the faith. Stand firm, immovable, unassailable. Act like men. These are good words of encouragement. Certainly the intent here is to act like men of of character. Act like men for whom the idea, the concept, the, the word integrity means something. Act like men in whom the character of honesty, the character of courage, Integrity has meaning. Act like men. Men of character. Men who understand the role of being both provider and protector. That's that's what men are to do. Provider in the home, protector in the home, in the family... (coughs) 
Excuse me. But I think here we want to understand that the call to act like men is to be the provider and the protector in the church. Right? This, is, this is written to the saints in the church in Corinth. And it's written to us in the church today. And we must fulfill a role of being providers and protectors of the church. The church is sustained. The church is sustained by, by our participation. The church is sustained by, by our support in, in every facet. being a part of the life of the church, being a part of the times of worship, being a part of the times of fellowship, being a part of the, the life of the church, both assembled and going out. And be the protector of the church. Stand. Stand with your church. Brag on your church. Talk about your church. Talk about the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ, the word of God that is proclaimed in your church. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who is worshipped in your church. Be a man. A man of character, honesty, courage, integrity, a provider, a protector. I think it means all these things here. But I think what Paul really was saying, something that he had said throughout the, the letter to the church at Corinth, he's saying, grow up. Grow up! He said this very plainly in Ephesus. The problem, big problem in Corinth was identified as immaturity. They were childish. This, this whole thing about, about uh, social status and I'm better than you and um, the whole issue the whole issue of the, the spiritual gifts thing, it was all childish. It was just acting childishly. And so throughout the book, throughout the, the uh, letter of 1 Corinthians, the apostle says to the people of God, grow up. Don't be so childish. Be mature. Be mature in your thinking and your, your reasonableness. In the love chapter, 1 Corinthians 13, he wrote, When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man... 
I gave up childish ways. Pretty straightforward, isn't it? Um, I think think most of us have encountered Piaget somewhere along the way. Remember him? Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, child psychologist. And we learned that one of the first one of the first words, one of the first concepts, the little bitty child comes out of their mouth. Mine. Me. Mine. And some folks seem to just never get past that. Some folks, they just, they just, and and the whole thing, the whole issue, everything that they, uh, the problems that are mentioned here in Corinth, all arise out of this mine, me, right? Uh, the arrogance that that one guy wrote about, the the pride, me. Grow up. And that means others. That means consideration. That means thought. That means reasoning for others. Setting aside me. Setting aside mine. Wow. It's not easy. It's hard. It's part of growing up. It's parting life as a mature Christian. Our goal to be that which Christ would have us, to that be Christ-like? Grow up. Grow up in the Lord. Grow up in, in, in your heart. Grow up as a Christian. Ephesians 4, let's go ahead and read it until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. You know, I could, I could preach a whole other sermon here, because the, the unity and division thing, right? But, but you're, you're there, okay? The knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we, we may no longer be children tossed to and fro, by the waves and carried out out by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes, rather speaking the truth and love. We are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. Now there's a pretty, pretty exhaustive statement there of what, what not to be. Right? This idea of being susceptible to being, to being a leaf in the wind that, that you're blown about, that you, you buy into to every little uh, scheme that comes along. Easily persuaded. There's some pretty harsh words later on in the New Testament about this idea. You can look them up for yourself. But again, this idea of standing firm, being, being mature, growing up 
in Christ, growing up in, in God's Word, growing up in your understanding of the truth of who you are in Christ, growing up in prayer, growing up in a personal, intimate relationship with your Lord, growing up in the fellowship of God's people, growing with God's people, helping others to grow as you are growing up in Christ. Be strong. Be strong. You know what? There's a, a real attraction to being weak. There's a real attraction to portraying yourself as one who, who cannot handle things. Being one who, who can't, uh, can't manage. But God's Word calls us to be strong. To bear under the burdens that come our way. I think physical strength is certainly a part of being strong. Whatever your effort is, it's going to require physical strength, physical stamina. You may be, a, you may be an office worker sitting at a desk every day, or a school teacher, doesn't really work. <laughs> and I'm here to tell you at the end of the day you're going to be tired you're going to be tired it requires physical strength physical stamina for, for whatever effort you undertake so I think there's an encouragement here to be strong physically I'm confident there's encouragement here to be strong emotionally Right? To, to bear up under those emotional issues that come along. Emotional strength that gets us through relationship concerns. You hear that? Be strong emotionally. Don't always be having hurt feelings. For goodness sake. <laughs> this has always been such a concern in so many churches. First church I pastored, I first time I went to what we call the, the nominating committee. Is that what it was called? I think, yeah, nominating committee. And, uh, and I mentioned that uh, some of the criteria that, that I thought was appropriate to seek out those who would have positions of leadership and teaching in the church. The lady spoke up and she says, yep, I agree. She said, but the most important thing is that we don't hurt anybody's feelings. Well, now, I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. <laughs> yeah. You're different. <laughs> but for crying out loud, have a little emotional strength. Be able to handle some setbacks. 
be able to handle some offenses. Is it okay to handle offenses? What's the term, don't wear your feelings on, on your sleeve? Is that where it is? Don't wear your heart on your sleeve? Really? Okay, no feelings on your fingertips. All right, get control, huh? Me neither. Get control of your emotions. Get control of your feelings. Be, be strong, right? Be able to handle this, this stuff, water off a duck's back, maybe. Right? But in any regard, handle these things with a measure of Christian maturity. Right? Let go of the childishness. Let all that you do be done in love. It is love that makes the strong, firm, alert man. It is love that makes the man of God the man of God. Chapter 13, if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have and if I deliver up my body to be burned but have not love, I gain nothing. It is love that overcomes all of the problems. It is love that will overcome all of the issues, all the concerns, all the questions in the church in Corinth and in God's church throughout the ages. Love one another. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and all your strength. And I'm here to tell you, when you love God in such a manner, you will love his people. When you love his word, when you love his spirit, when you love the Lord God, it is in Him that we love one another. Can't have one without the other. First Corinthians. A letter, a book that was written to a people to deal with their problems. Sometimes to rebuke, sometimes to correct, in some places even to shame. But all of it was done in love. Paul's love. For Paul loved the church in Corinth. 
an unlovable church. You hear that? These were not a people easy to love. Paul wrote to them in love. And Paul wrote to them in love because he wrote to them in God's love. Act like a man. Ladies, you're not excluded. This is not a gender issue, right? But it's addressed to all of us for this matter of Christian maturity. Christian maturity, a Christian virtue that we should all aspire to. Are you growing in Christ? If you think you need help, the Lord has appointed elders in his church who are here to help you. Let us know. And let us be sure that we are watchful, that we're strong, that we're alert in the church, standing firm in the faith, doing all in love. For love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy or boast. It's not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It's not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. In concluding his words to the church at Corinth, the apostle said, the grace of the Lord Jesus be with you. My love be with you all in Christ Jesus. Amen. Father, we praise your holy name for the gifts that you have bestowed upon your people, your church. We thank you, O God, that you have called us out to be a people unto you, O God, and that you have granted us in this place this occasion that we might proclaim the good news of salvation in Jesus Christ, and in so doing, worship you, the Lord our God. We pray, Father, your blessings upon all those who look to you in faith. In Jesus' name, amen.